Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Lisnick Behind the Curtain, my opportunity to step away from the worlds of politics and law that you watch me cover every day on television into the world of theater and the arts. And that is where I love to live when I can. And we do that here on the Behind the Curtain podcast. And so joining me today, it kind of crosses a bunch of worlds here when I think of politics, maybe not so much law, but theater and the arts. And um, he's coming to Chicago. And if you don't know him, you should and you will. But Alex Edelman, the great comedian, bringing his show to Chicago, joins me. Alex, how are you? I'm well. How about you? Thanks so much for having me. I am good. And and by the way, should I, I mean, I know you go by Alex, but just to show you that I know a lot about you, I imagine I could call you David Yosef and a whole bunch of other names that follow it. And I can go by Pesach Moshe if you prefer. Oh, no, call me Alex. That's fine. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll stick with that. Um, so, so much of your show, uh, Coming to Steppenwolf by February 15th through the 25th, by the way, um, and it's called Just For Us. You've been all over the place, including Broadway with this show. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And, of course, you, you've been around much longer than that. Talk to me about the impetus for this show. There's a message tied to this one. I... I think the message is, it's, well, it's, I think it's an experience that's presented, but the message that people can take away from it is what they like. But the show, I guess, broadly revolves around me going to this meeting of white nationalists and queens. And, you know, I sort of am the way that I am in real life ar- around them. And so, uh, you know, some people have said it's a, you know, a show about uh, empathy. Other people have said it's a show about the limits of empathy. Um, so... I mean, I guess I don't know what the message of the show is, but there's. Oh uh, wait, but Paul, did you have? If you you saw the show, do you have do you have one in mind that you think the the message of the show is? Well, I mean, I, I yes. Um, so, so I'm going to get confirmation. But for me, it's about the need for tolerance and the underlying ignorance that uh, perhaps impedes the notion of tolerance when people really just don't have a full understanding of what other people are like. And then there's the folks, this is the way I read you, there's the folks like you who are, and I mean this positively, kind of above that fray um, and who like to tweak it a bit, maybe in the hope of triggering people to wake up. I think, you know, sometimes people ask me what level of empathy they should be showing for people who are not like them or people they consider loathsome or people they consider evil. And I always, you know, what is the moral thing to do and what is the effective thing to do? Those aren't always the same answer, right? Like there's a real, like the same, you know, sometimes we celebrate people for being uh, brave and being correct. And those are not the same two things, right? Like it's pretty, you know, the brave thing to be in, I have a joke that the brave thing to be in Manhattan is conservative, because it's so easy to be liberal because we're correct, <laughs> right? It takes no guts in Manhattan to be. The bravery is site-specific. Tolerance is site-specific. Um, you know, communication can be, or like the ability to communicate with somebody else can be. Uh, like this, these are all like thorny, uh, thorny issues about discourse, which I really love getting into, but are like complicated issues. Which, by the way, that triggers me. So this court, you've been on Broadway with this show. You've been in Boston with this show. I don't know everywhere you've been with the show. You're coming to Chicago. So those kinds of cities would suggest, you know, your audience and you know who's open to you. So I guess I should ask, will you, would you, would you, maybe you have played this in uh, a small town in Oklahoma or, or some, so does it matter to you? I'll play wherever it wants me, you know, wherever, any good place within the, 
amount of time wants me. I, I frankly have not really thought about, we just did the show in Atlanta where I'd say the audience wasn't, you know, as homogenous politically, religiously, as I would expect in some other places, a little more diverse, a little more interesting uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of like makeup of, of the crowd. I've done the show in really small places where the, in cities where there are no Jews in Wales and Scotland. And uh, I did a UK tour of it. I, I mean, like I'm, I did the show in Australia. If you went to Australia hoping for, you know, the same sort of like Jewish, uh, you know, uh, East coast types that you'd get at maybe a show in on the Upper West Side, I think you'd be dis- you'd go bankrupt. So the show is designed for for all types, and I'm not afraid of doing it anywhere at this point. So I'd be happy to go wherever anyone would have me. Well, and it's look, you talk a lot in the show about your family. I mean, by the way, I would call this show much more political. Sorry, more personal than political. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. This is yeah, that's what I would say. It's and, tangentially geopolitical, like most. And- and you might reject this comparison. It's maybe just my age over yours, but there are some moments in the show, and it's I'm not, I don't want to give a lot of material. I think people need to come and see it, and just enjoy it. And New York Times says it's a it's a belly laugh funny, so I don't want to you know have people say yeah I heard that from Paul, um, but I'll just give one uh, because so much of what you talk about I sort of I grew up with, as in the coverings on the furniture and the living room we weren't allowed to go in and that kind of stuff, and it made me think for a moment of Jackie Mason, very different. But is I was curious. Who's, who's Jackie Mason? For real? Okay. No, obviously I know who Jack. I know who Jackie Mason is. Yeah. I, I had a I had an experience with Jackie Mason once. I really I have to. I I don't know how this will be received. I he his humor has never been for me. Mm-hmm. But like, um, it's very like uh, shtick. Absolutely. Right? Like, like like Jackie Mason's like shtick. So oh, yeah. like. Absolutely. And you are not him. That's what I'm saying. I just. No, no, no. But, but, but the funny thing is that like, like I do, there's a bit in the show, there's like a line or two in the show about plastic on furniture. Right. But the funny thing is that people have come up to me after, it's funny that you mentioned that detail, but like Asian families also put plastic on their furniture and black families also put, and Greek families also put plastic on their furniture. It's like, it's not just a Jewish thing. It's a great example of how the specific is universal. Like so many different, it's really a black Southern thing too. Mm-hmm. Like I have found out people would come up to me in Atlanta and they're like, you know, there was plastic on our furniture. You know, <laughs> like it is a great, um, I'm not saying that plastic on furniture is the, is a rainbow bridge that can make everybody right. but like, but it is one of those great, uh, you know, Norman Lear, who uh, the great uh, TV producer, writer who just passed away at 101 uh, would always say, I'm just another version of you to, to every, to everyone, which is how he could create shows like the Jeffersons and, you know, all in the family and Stepford and so, you know, uh, like he was a brilliant, um, he understood in a brilliant way that all these cultural divisions are largely, uh, superficial, but cultural, you know, commonalities can, are, are much more interesting. And so, uh, I, I think of that line a lot, given that like Indian families also plastic on the furniture. Like it's a fascinating, fascinating thing uh, to me. So, yeah, I interviewed Norman when he was a young man of like 96 or 97, uh, something like that. And, but I mean, I guess, and this is what I love. It's part of what I love about your work and the humor that you do, because 
look, everybody wants to, re- I mean, I want to relate. And when I, when I know some of your background and whatever, I like, I, I kind of connect in my own ways to that. Maybe you don't care. Maybe it's not important to Alex that, that, you know, that Paul out there is connecting to what you're saying, but I actually like important. that. Piece of, it. of course it's important. You know, like, you know, there's like, people always say, write what you know. I really hate that advice because it's so misinterpreted. Like if you know, uh, when people say write what you know, they're not like, if you're a white guy, write white guy stuff. If you're Jewish, write Jewish stuff. If you're Muslim, write Muslim stuff. If you're black, write black stuff. What they mean is if you know anger and frustration or, um, or strained relationships with your siblings or uh, a deep feeling of, of loneliness, write those things because other people feel them in a way that is that really connects you uh, to each other. Like, of course I want people to connect with my, yeah. uh, my work. I, I want, I want that, but I want the err of that. I want the sort of like, um, I want a deeper connection, a more fulsome connection than sort of like. And when mom and dad are there, Cheryl and Elazar, your brother, AJ, is it, do they come back and go, we love you, Alex? Or do they like, what, especially AJ, why are you saying those things? They don't know I do comedy. <laughs> they think, they think I'm a Supreme court clerk for uh, Kagan. No, no, I, was I um, <laughs> I uh, they they love the show. They've seen it a bunch. AJ in particular. AJ, I'm very proud of. AJ's trying. AJ made the Olympics, um, for Israel in skeleton a couple You're years ago. Awesome. When he's is trying again in bobsled now, and uh, we don't agree on everything politically, but we are, you know, he's my sibling, and I'm very uh, proud of all the stuff that he's accomplished. And he really is. So he's he's like the athlete of the family, or maybe you are too. I mean, I'm an athlete too, but it's more of a little tykes basketball hoop on stage type thing. But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but AJ is AJ is the athlete, and I think once you make the Olympics, you are, you lay definitive claim to the title athlete in the family. Absolutely, and when you're representing Israel in the whole thing, it just adds a whole other level to it. Um, <laughs> I know. Who is it that influences you? Is when people come to your show at Steppenwolf, they watch you. Who do you want them, if anybody, to be to to say, you know that? I'm influenced by someone. Who influences you? I mean, Mel Brooks is hmm. the closest. I think you, you know, is the closest that you and I probably. But I love uh, Mike Birbiglia, who's the original producer of the show in New York. Um, Spalding Gray is really oh okay wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm funnier. My shows are funnier than Spalding's. He was going for something else, but um, but also like Eric Bogosian, who's a monologist. I I love too. But from the stand-up comedy side, you know, John Mulaney is okay. a big part of it and um bernie mack is uh is a big uh influence sarah silverman uh a guy named gary gullman out of boston bill burr uh i have like lots of diffuse maria bamford she's brilliant like i have lots of really diff- you know and novelists like um uh gosh like John Updike and uh, Nathan Englander, who's a who's a Jewish writer, Michael Chabon, uh, Darren Strauss, you know Jonathan Safran Farr. Like educated, I, sophisticated people in that. I mean, I'm I'm overeducated. <laughs> I went to I went to the University of Phoenix for two full semesters, and uh, <laughs> and look, Arizona got the online degree and everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went to NYU and. And look, I, I always think, by the way, I try to design my shows as being for people who want to see theater and enjoy it and for people who want to see comedy and enjoy it. Like, I really think that um, just just to use Michael Chabon as a, you know, example, he, he has this essay where he says entertainment gets a bad name. 
right? Or entertainment has a bad name, but like, I I'm here to entertain people. Like my job is to like, no one, thankfully, knock on wood, it does feel like people have largely enjoyed the show. And I think part of the reason for that is, look, the show is supposed to be an escape and also a show that inspires conversation. And more than anything else, I designed a show with the help of lots of people, lots of audience members, lots of other comics like Jerry Seinfeld and Steve Martin and, and you know, Billy Crystal, all of whom who came and offered advice. Um, I wanted the show to justify people's time. Like if you're buying a ticket to see my show, you're having a good time. Like that's my number one job. All the other stuff is details. All the other stuff is window dressing. I have to entertain people. So like, you know, I really as sophisticated and high minded as, you know, like I like to think I am, I'm saying that with a heavy air quote, you know, my job is I'm, I'm there to, I'm there to make you laugh and I'm there to make you really, you know, interested, um, in the story that I'm telling. So there's comedy and there's suspense. And if you learn something, then like, that's more to do with you probably. Look at the big purpose I took out of it. Right. I mean that, you know, by the way, there was one monologist you didn't mention. Maybe, you you know, maybe he's not, but Mike Daisy, are you familiar with Mike? Um, not as much as I would like to be actually, but I've seen him do short pieces, but never his long form stuff. I love Mike Daisy. Um, I, I haven't, uh, you know what? I've never seen a full show. It's interesting. Yeah. You'd enjoy it. You enjoy it. But we're, but we're not seeing him. We're seeing you. And uh, and by the way, yes, I have another question for you. I, I interviewed Jeff Hiller, Jeff Hiller the other day, who said he he does know you or or has uh, met you. Uh, Jeff who? Jeff Hiller from some. Oh my gosh! Yes, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Broadway and TV. And, and he's coming to Chicago too before you. Um, but here's the thing: the question I had for him because I was talking to you today. What what is it? So so Jeff does stand when he does stand up. So he's at a club and he's not doing his thing. But you are much more likely to be in a theater environment, including Broadway. When you come to Chicago, you are at the Steppenwolf. You're not playing the Den. You're not playing Davenport's. Um, what is it that makes your show and the choice of venue question? I belong. I, Alex, belong in the theater setting. This is that kind of a show as opposed to it's not stand up. Otherwise, I'd be at the Den. I don't believe in those binaries. Like, I truly don't. I think that we need a more... I've been asked this question a lot. It's a oh, brilliant question. I thought I was clever with that. No, no, no. It's a brilliant question. You phrased it differently than uh, than a lot of, of, of folks have. But I think a conversation about what is and isn't stand-up or what is and isn't theater does a disservice to both stand-up and theater. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. people come up to me after the show and they're like, I love that. I don't like comedy, but I really like that show. Or people will go, I don't really like plays or theater but i really like that show and i always like go "Uh uh-huh but in the back of my head i think you haven't you're not ingesting the right comedy you're not ingesting the right theater like this binary about what does and doesn't constitute theater or what does and doesn't constitute comedy or stand-up i think does a slight disservice um you know to paul i'm not like coming down on your question it's a really good question it's the million dollar question i'm just saying that like I would argue for a more expansive, uh, you know, uh, I'd argue for a more expansive definition of what constitutes uh, something that belongs at Steppenwolf uh, or something that, you know, it's a, it's a comedy theater blend, right? Like Mike Birbiglia is unquestionably stand-up comedy, right? But he was also at Steppenwolf for a while last year. Yeah. And, you know, Mike's also 
definitely belongs on a theater stage. But, and so like, I would say that the two things you can have, you can have both. So I really, um, but it has different things than it did at the, uh, I previewed the show at the den before it went to New York at all. Oh, so you know that venue. It was Halloween weekend. They had sold something like 40 tickets for the whole weekend. I went out and flyered in the street for a while and people, I got people to come to every show. One of the shows even, you know, got sort of packed towards the end, but it was a very small room and I did it on a handheld microphone and the show is really different. It has changed a lot. And now I use one of these microphones because Billy Crystal would make, make more sense. Um, and that is more theatrical, but I would still argue that I said, I don't want to lose the stand up. And Billy's like, it's still stand up. You're just leaning into, you know, you truly can have it both ways. You really, really, really can have it both ways. And by so, the way, the microphone like this is kind of a tribute to Madonna anyway, because I think that's who brought us the... You know, in in in, uh, in Israel, they call it a Madonna mic. They call it a Madonna <laughs> mic. Genuinely, I'm not, I'm not being funny. They go, it's a Madonna microphone. They think, but in Israel, it might be a different Madonna they're talking about, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's... Yeah, that's really funny. Right? I've done that tour. Good. Uh, <laughs> um. This is a good time, given what you just said and the way things get shaped. It might be a good time to you, you do this very quick mention in the show, but I'm hoping you, you don't mind this sort of a moment for you to acknowledge the work and, and uh, shape of Adam Brace and the work that you've done, because we lost him last year. And I, I think it was pretty important to you. Yeah, he was my closest friend and my favorite. Do you mind that I bring it up? I No, not at all, actually. Um, I feel like talking about him all the time. Um Adam was my director. He, we worked together for 11 years, maybe 10 and change. And this show, I mean, he worked, I mean, he passed away in 23. So he did this show with you. Yeah, he did this show full. He did the full job on this show. He did the full Monty. He, um, he was the artistic director at a theater in London called the Soho theater. And, um, was this, uh, he was, he was, uh, he worked on Fleabag. He worked on so many shows that people have seen, and enjoyed he he was a brilliant 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 uh uh director and and, gone to, yeah gone at 43 just ridiculous and we're not gonna i don't want to get depressed with you but just what what message did you take from him what what did he leave you with that you will carry forth in future shows that you do <sighs> there are so many um he always um he always understood that there is a, this is a little technical, but the delicate balance between, you know, um, I ran a Chris rock recently. I'm not just name dropping I ran a Chris rock and we were talking about comedy. And he said sort of flippantly, he said, laughter is involuntary, but so is interest. So you have to make an audience in, as interested as you possibly can. And Adam understood that, this sort of Adam sort of let me look after the comedy in the shows, even though he was a brilliant dramaturg when it came to jokes and joke writing and joke delivery. And oftentimes would tell me what to do with a joke, but he looked after everything else. He looked after the narrative flow of the show, the dramatic tension of the show that, Oh, I guess, you know what? Here's what it is. He had extremely high standards for what you should say on stage. And the metric that he judged those things on was not laughter alone. Laughter was the prerequisite, but he, but I think he realized that in order for someone to be a truly great comedian, performer, monologist, whatever, 
they had to have an extremely high standard of what they were saying for what they were saying on stage. And that laughter alone was not a justification for delivering a joke. And I think he made me a much better comedian and a much better performer and probably a better person, actually, because, you know, I would do jokes when we first met that I wouldn't do now that I think are, you know, jokes that are like in poor taste, not because society dictates them as in poor taste, but because, you know, they're just sort of low rent jokes. And so I really appreciated Adam's influence and high standards for me and, um, and his belief that I can meet those high standards. So, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, is just for us frozen. That is to say, because you are doing this in a period of time where, I mean, the issues are daily headlines. Not at all. Okay. Talk about that. So you might one day wake up and go, I'm adding in the line or I'm changing something. It happens every day. The show changes every day. Little things go in, little things come out. Things are liable to go in, liable to come out. I don't think that a show should ever freeze. Somebody, um, the the show, shows should always be both in convert, you know, from stemming from the moments they were created in and in conversation with the moments they're being performed in. So it would be disingenuous if I changed the show to be about Israel and Palestine, but it, I don't think it would be disingenuous for the show to be conversant with that moment. I think a lot about this, but I think it's the first time I've ever said that specific thing mm-hmm. about it, but that's how I feel, I think. Coming to the Steppenwolf, and you clearly know Chicago and, and various places, so to me, when I read and saw that you were coming to that theater... As opposed to Looking Glass, there's other theaters you could be in, which are, I'll put it, at very similar levels. But Steppenwolf, you know who Steppenwolf has given birth to. You know, I mean, um, Gary Sinise, and, and you just be, we'd be here all day listing, Laurie Metcalf, you'd be listing all the days. And so it's a brilliant space to be in and brilliant company to be associated with, I think. Did you, ch- did you talk to Steppenwolf? Did they come to you? How did that happen? I think, I don't know, but I have to be honest, I want to play there for probably a lot longer than they've wanted to have me. I love love the theater. Um, I think it's one of the best, most revered theaters in the country. I I can't believe that I get the chance to do it there. It's a real, it's, it's extremely special to me. And Chicago theater and Chicago comedy are both, you know, hold revered um, places. And, you know, this, the spectral image of, uh, of Chicago, there's a really great book called Improvination by Sam Lawson about the Chicago comedy scene. I really love, uh, I really love Chicago comedy. And those two have always been tied very closely together. Chicago comedy, Chicago theater. Um, But yeah, I, to me, there's no other place to play. I, I, although by the way, I will say, I love the den as well. It's just such a kind, conscientious performer forward place. And there are so many other brilliant theaters in Chicago, but for me getting a chance to do my show at Steppenwolf, it just represents a sort of like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a victory lap for us sort of. Yeah. Plus it's it has for- a parking lot. That's a huge difference here. It has a parking lot. I have, I've got to be honest. I've only been on one show there and I, and I'm a big Lori Metcalf fan, huge. And the first thing she said, when she saw the show, she went, are you going to Steppenwolf? I was like, I sure would like to. (laughs) Well, she's coming back too. you know, she'll be back this season. She's, she's a genius. She is brilliant. She is so nice and so funny. And when I met her, I just, I, I felt, I, I just love her. So you, have you not been to the theater 
certainly since the renovation. No. Okay, so you're playing you're playing the downstairs theater, which was I don't know when you were there, but it would have been the theater that you would have seen. Um, they've now built this in the round, gorgeous space um, uh, uh, down up the stairs and also over. And this eating, they've expanded this whole eating place. You're just going to walk in and be very impressed. I'm uh, really excited. It's in the round. No, not the th- you're in the you're in the main stage, so you're getting more traditional. The theater. What I was saying is, if you've been there, it's the stage you would know. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But there is an in the round. Maybe they'll throw you up there. You ought to ask them. I think that'd be a confusing experience for some people looking at my butt a lot of the time. But I really (laughs) do. I do love. um, I just. I'm so excited to come. I'm so excited to. My only wish is that it was longer, but uh, it's a short. January fifteenth through the twenty fifth. That ten days are pretty good. Wait, you know I. I don't want to spend 10 days in Chicago. I want to spend two months in Chicago. We really... Um, if it snows, you won't be leaving, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to... All, I need restaurant recommendations, by the way, if people have them. I'm really... I want to, I'm desperate to go to that Grant Achat's place. I've never been able to... Yeah, it's called Alinea. They don't allow me in there anymore. Well, I've never been. I'm dying to go. Like, <laughs> as a foodie, there's a place called Dove's Luncheonette in Wicker Park, which is one of my favorite places in the in the world to eat. And Phil Rosenthal is a really good friend of mine. Oh, I love it. There's a I'll show called Somebody Feed Phil I've done a couple times. He always plies me with wrecks. But I find that the best places are the sort of, like, neighborhood places that are just perfect. And, and I'm I'm really – I'm going to be all over Chicago. I'm really excited. I'm so happy. And I don't live far from Steppenwolf, so I'll take you to the bagel up here because it's uh, it's the deli you don't want to miss. Uh, or maybe you do want to miss it. Well, uh, what's your favorite kind of food? So when you say food, you say a linear to me, I know what that means. Well, that's, that's an outlier for me. That's a sort of, like, once-a-year treat. So somebody says, Alex, what do you want to eat? Where are we going? Italian? What do we have it? I want Italian. I want anything other than sort of Jewish food because I, <laughs> I have such a high standard for Jewish food. I'm like spoiled from living in between New York and Los Angeles. The Jewish food has got to be superb. I do love a black and white cookie, though. I'll cop to that. But I love Italian food. I love, you know, a, I love Asian food. I love a good old Midwestern luncheonette. I love a... Um, I love any sort of outlier too. like sort of like, uh, delicious always wins as Phil says, whatever is the most delicious. I'll just mention one place you can walk to from the Steppenwolf. You're on a break or in between shows or something like that. Uh, it's a few blocks, but just walk down Halstead and you'll find a place called summer Santa Monica, summer Santa Monica. And when you're in there, it's all open, not open air because there's a roof, but it's all window, light, uh, glass. And so you'll feel like, oh, my God, it kind of feels like Santa Monica, the food for a foodie I think you will like. So I'll just recommend that one to you because it's down the street during your rehearsals, baby. I'm fan. I'm really excited. I wish I was in town during baseball season, but, like, I've, you know, been spent a lot of time at Wrigley when I'm there. And, um uh, I, I don't know. I'm just really thrilled to be coming. It's rare for me to get a chance to sit down in such a salubrious space. And uh, and people seem pretty excited. And, you know, tickets seem like they'll probably go pretty quick, given that. Yeah, I've been looking. You're actually doing you're doing well. And uh, and by the way, I'm so glad you I mean, I'm so glad you're familiar. This is such a great theater town. I don't have to tell you that, you know it. And you're just going to be perfect uh, for for that, for this venue, for this place. The audiences, you know, they're sophisticated, they're smart, they're funny. They're more urban, probably more liberal. Um, and I, I just think you're going to, if I talk to you afterwards, I'm going to come see you one night. And I'll hopefully Please come say hi. I'm, I'm always out there afterwards. I speak to anyone who, who has a question or has a comment. I'm always, it, the show's partially shaped by that. So I'm thrilled to. You won't pretend you don't know me, though. 
I, I mean, I may, you know, it's not a, <laughs> very different. I'm a real diva after the show. Oh, I love I, it. I, yeah. ask, I don't know. No, <laughs> we'll have well dinner. We'll just be snobby. Yeah. Well, uh, big, we'll have big chats about Jay Marietta and uh, Ken Harrelson. and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Ernie Banks. We'll bring him back up into it. Yeah. Um, the show is called Just for Us. Steppenwolf, just for 10 days, 15th through the 25th, uh, in the downstairs theater. That is the, the main theater to be in, though. I, like I said, I can't wait to hear what you think when you walk around and tour a little bit. And tickets can be gotten. Ordinarily, I just say go to steppenwolf.org, but they've given me a slash just for us. So um, maybe that takes us right to it. So it's steppenwolf.org slash just for us. And Alex, I just, like I said, I was so excited. I've heard a lot about you from I said my friend Cindy uh, Raymond, who's in PR, and she knew about you from West Coast friends who had seen you. And so all of a sudden I looked and went, hey, he's coming here. And I went, got to gotta check this guy out. And uh, and thank you for letting me talk to you because this of is course. awesome. What a joy. And this is this is great. I can't wait to come. I'm excited now for it. I'm really excited. I'm glad to hear that. And I will see you. And if you if you after the show you want to go, I'll take you to Summer Santa Monica, we'll figure something out. Or we'll take Lori Metcalf, we'll go get something to eat. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> but steppenwolf.org slash just for us February 15th through the 25th that's it don't miss them you're going to love it it's a real real treat Alex it's a real treat talking to you uh, and I appreciate your time Alex thank you so much sir thanks for having me guys alright be well be well <laughs>